Will you pray with me? Lord, we do indeed want to lift your name on high. Let us continue to allow our posture to be one where we celebrate you with our minds as we want to attentively listen to your word. Live out your word. Be transformed by your word. We know that uh, there's a lot of things grasping for our attention from Super Bowl stuff uh, to this room being hot. And so, Lord, we are we are in we just are in some different places. Focus us. Calm us. Let us let us be centered on you right now. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Uh, One of the gentlemen will bring a Bible around. We are in the seventh chapter of Exodus and um, we're diving right in. We're going to start at verse 14. That's the seventh chapter of Exodus. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. Uh, And so then you're going to go to the seventh chapter. And we're starting with verse 14, diving right in. Um, Brother Matthew, I got one up front too. Um, So we're diving right in. Verse 14 says this. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as if he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. So right here off the bat, Moses is getting a pep talk from God. He's like, I've got got some instructions for you, but I'm letting you know that the Pharaoh is going to be very receptive and he's changed. See, I'm just seeing if y'all are awake. Nope. Actually, (laughs) he's saying Pharaoh's heart is still hardened. So what you've experienced each time. Remember that little situation where I had you get the snakes, put your staff and turn your staff into snakes. And those snakes ate up to the magician's snakes. And Pharaoh still was like, so? Whatever, Moses, I'm not letting the people go. His heart is still hardened. So that's how we enter in. But I want you to, I want you to pay, pay special attention as we go through this next, like, three verses, okay? Pay attention to the details described in these next verses, starting at 16. And you shall say to him, the Lord... The God of the Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But but so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die and the Nile will stink. And the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, their canals and their ponds and over the pools of water. So they may become blood and there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. We get we get this picture of God saying, you know what? I am going to do something that is that will not be mistaken. Pharaoh, what I'm planning to do, you won't you won't accidentally see this as a natural mistake, as as something that by chance happened. 
you guys know what it's like. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, a, I'm somewhat of a skeptical person. You know, if there's a meter and this is the center, I lean a little bit more this way on skepticism. I'll just be honest. And so, you know, when you have some of those grandparents in your family, some of those older people that you're around, you know, you'll see an older person and it's a bright, sunny day. And that older person will be like, hmm, looks like rain's coming. You're like, what? Rain? It's sunny. It's beautiful. Well, you know, when my ear gets to twitching, when my ear twitches, that tells me it's going to rain. Sure, sure, sure enough. Next day you wake up, it's raining, and Grandpa's standing there looking at you like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Told you. Now you and I both would be like, come on, Grandpa. That's just chance. Really? Like, you put that much faith in that? You, you, we would both write it off. But see, that, that's insight into our hearts as people. You see, Pharaoh is no different than you and I. Let's say, let's say Moses had just listed one thing. Okay? I'm going to turn the Nile red. Easy for Pharaoh to say, oh, man, <laughs> you don't know. Up the stream, it's a bunch of cranberry trees. And they just fell in the water. <laughs> you know? Let, let's just say he, he chose another one, you know? Oh, look, look at this pool of this, this pond turned red. Oh, you don't know. It's, 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 it's mating seasons for the crocodiles, and they go crazy and eat each other up. That's why it's red. But, but look at how descriptive the Lord gets. He gets so descriptive to make sure that, Far- that Pharaoh can't say this is just an accident. Let, let me list it first, just in case you forgot who I am and don't attribute this to accident. I'm the Lord. In verse 16, I am Yahweh. You got your gods. Your gods protect your people. Let me show you who my people are. My people are the Hebrews. My people are the Hebrews. And I'm telling you, let my people go. Let, let, let my people go. Now that tone is a tone of warning. You know? Okay, now let my people go. But if you don't, this, this is going to be the result of what happens. I'm going to bring forth a plague. So now look at all the things he describes here. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the Nile. I'm going to turn it into blood. The fish are going to die. The Nile's going to stink. Egyptians won't be able to drink the water. Not only that, not only just at the Nile, I'm going inland. Okay? I'm going to allow the canals ponds, pools of water. Can this be mistaken as an accident? As a natural event? He's breaking down any excuse that Pharaoh should have to be able to say, that wasn't Yahweh. And the final thing, one of the things that is a clincher that, that, that for me stops us even saying plagues happen today is the use of the staff. See, the staff determines a starting point. He's not just saying this is going to happen at some time. It's going to happen, verse 19, take your staff, stretch it out over the waters. Like, like he's actually going to take it, put it in the Nile. He's actually going to stretch it out over the waters that are over land. Nothing happens until Aaron does what God tells him to do. So it's not by chance. No, this is, this is a mighty God displaying his acts, displaying his power, displaying his abilities. 
But, as we know, Pharaoh has a hardened heart. And so, after he he gets a chance to to hear this challenge, how do you think he's going to respond? And, and let, me, let, me, let me just say, like, as a side note, uh, just, just be patient with people who at times want proof of who God is in order to love him. I get the intellectual wrestling, you know. I get it just can't be a blind faith thing that we do as a Christian. But family, for some people, no proof is going to be enough. All right? No proof is going to be enough. You got, a, you got a, a, a man that before him, everybody died. After him, everybody died. But Jesus is the only one who died. Then after dying, lived again. And you got people who were witnesses there, saw him. I don't know if there's a greater example of proof that a person needs than a dude conquered death. But there are still a lot of people that would be like, no, nah, man, I need to see his hands for myself. You know, you know, there's still a lot of people that 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 want a certain proof. And even if you gave it to them, would still find a hole in your argument. So by this. And and so there's there's a main point that that God is trying to make sure comes through. And it's found in verse 17. And it simply says this and this this entire first plague is so that Pharaoh will know that I am the Lord. That's, that, that's this, the, the entire experience is one, so that Pharaoh will know that Yahweh is the Lord. The situation has changed. It started off with Moses just talking to Pharaoh. Moses and Aaron together. Pharaoh, his homies, and magicians together. But now we see the impact is broader than Pharaoh. Because who are the persons that can't, can't drink in uh, verse 19? Egyptians. It's spanning out to the nation now. Follow with me in verse 20. It says, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff struck the Nile and all the water in the Nile turned into blood and the fish in the Nile died and the Nile stank so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt, but the, but the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened and he would not listen to them. As the Lord had said, Pharaoh turned and went into the house And he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the water, dug along the Nile for water to drink. For they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. So so notice this. Okay, this is this is a situation that is an extreme inconvenience, but it's not life threatening. Okay, and we know that because there's two areas of water. There's the areas of water that Moses and Aaron have touched, okay? So you've got anything that's surface water, okay? So that's a pond. That's, you know, you got a cup of water there. It's on the surface. 
But we know that, that is, that's not the only places where water exists because the magicians get a chance to mimic it, mock it, and do the same thing. That's because well water was not affected. So you can dig down deep in the earth, and even on verse, um, verse 24, we see the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink. So you could go down deep, find new water, but it was, it was cumbersome. It was, very, it was, it was a, a, a big issue. But notice how the magicians try to imitate God. Notice that they try to, to come alongside and show the same amount of strength. Try to show the same amount of power. Try to show the same amount of authority that Moses and Aaron have. And, we, and, and what's crazy now is we, we see we're starting to get insight not only into uh, Pharaoh as a, as a person, but also Pharaoh as a leader. Because initially, Pharaoh went out to go bathe himself, engage with the water. All right? He went to go take a bath. He sees Aaron, Moses. Okay, you're going to challenge me? But now all of his people are affected. He's got people who can't drink water. And we see now for the first time a leader who doesn't care about the experience of his people. See, his heart continues to harden more and more, not just against Aaron and Moses, but he's so stubborn. He, his very role is to lead and care for those up under him, and he doesn't even see the value of submitting even for the sake of his people. But there's, a, there's a one last battle that's happening in the backdrop of the first plague, and that's this. That's God is a jealous God. No one else will get his glory. And so the people of this day, while they used the Nile and they used this surface water, the Nile was not just a place where water flowed, it was also seen as a God. So everything to them, when you think of sustenance, when you think of being able to uh, grow crops, when you think of being able to be uh, uh, refreshed, all of that you thought of as happening from water and you thought of it as happening from your God. So here we see God saying, I am the one true God. And the very God that you guys put all of your hope and faith in can't even give you the basic necessities of life. Can't even supply you with water. You see, family, it's exposing the hope that we can have in our false idols. You know? And don't let us be so quick to look at them and say, oh, man, they put their hope in, in a Nile God. But I've seen us place our hope in some gods that are, that are a bit less uh, appealing than, than the Nile. I've seen us place our hope in a job that we complain about going to every day. But <laughs> if we lose it, our world crumbles. I've seen us build who we are in Christ, who we are to everyone else based on what our friends say about us. I've seen us, I've seen us allow whether what the community determines is, is healthy for the church, renew the church, you know? So if community says these type of relationships are good, then the church submits to that authority. 
If the community says, this is the way you're supposed to spend your money, pastor got to get a brand new Cadillac, then I guess we all getting Cadillacs. By the way, I like Cadillacs. Um, But I've seen idols. I've seen idols in our own lives. And here, God says, there's going to be no other idol before me. The very thing in which you guys are choosing to worship, I'll show you. He has no power. So this goes on and it lasts for, for seven days. But now we shift to another interaction, another plague, starting in chapter 8. All right? And this next plague, uh, the first plague took place at the water. The next plague is going to take place in the court. And it says this. The Lord said, in verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague your country with frogs. I will plague your country with frogs. So now we got this first time opportunity for a conditional statement where it's like, if you do this, this is going to happen. All right. I'm warning you. I'm letting you know. But this is a choice you are making, Pharaoh. But but we got to understand the 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 home life of the actual Egyptian, all right? Now, Egyptians didn't have, uh, you know, high-elevated king-sized beds that you get up on, lay back in. Egyptians slept on the floor. They might have had a very thin mat, all right? They didn't wear shoes in the house. There, was, there were not, not like these, like, you know, 10 different rooms on one level, So the idea of of frogs being everywhere really makes you think like, no, everywhere. Okay. When you wake up, ribbit, you know, (laughs) think you're going to the bathroom, ribbit. (laughs) It's, 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 it's everywhere. And so we'll see the next description tries to, tries to cover that. It says, the Nile swarm with frogs that shall come into your house, into your bedroom, and on your bed, into the house of the servants and your people, and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and on your servants. If you're in Mac Kids, raise your hand for me. Mac Kids. All right. Mac Kids, tell me a place where you would hide something. Come on, Connor. Uh, next, Kiki, your bed, frogs there. Micah, a tree, frogs definitely there. Um, Joanne's daughter. What'd you say? Where would you hide it? Under the bed, frogs there. In the basement, good one, frogs there. <laughs> In the closet. Frogs definitely there. See, family, what, what we're trying to get, get you to sense of is that like a frog is not something that's going to like kill your day. I'll get you next time, Ezzy. It's not going to kill your day. You know, it's not like, like you're going to die as a result. But what's happening is you're getting this sense of like God is going to show you progressively that as you choose to keep having a hardened heart, Pharaoh, I'm going to make life more and more inconvenient for you 
I'm going to continue to display my power and my authority. And so now you get this idea of these frogs that are, that are coming in. But the first time, Pharaoh was still cool when, when the water was turned into blood. You know what he did? He sent out some people. Hey, go, go dig me a well. I still want fresh water. He was okay. But, but Moses and Aaron now make sure that, that Pharaoh gets, this isn't something that's going to happen to your people. This is something that's going to happen to you. You directly will be affected. That's why we get all those, those yours, your house, your bedroom, your bed, all of your servants and your people. And you guys are going to see it's going to be more clearly explained. But, but in contrast to what's happening to the, to the Egyptians, the people of God, the Hebrews are cool. All right. So if, so if Justin was an Egyptian and his neighbor was Krista, neighbor would be able to, Chris would be able to look out her window and see all types of frogs jumping out of Justin's house. But in her house, ain't no frogs. Oh, our water cool. You want a nice fresh glass of water? You got that red Kool-Aid over there? You know, like, <laughs> you know, because God is continuing to show I am God. These are my people. You think I'm going to take them through the plague in the same way that you do? I'm not punishing my people. I want you to see this holy God. So we get, we get this clear picture, this clear warning. But in verse 5, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over rivers, over canals, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters, and the frogs came up and covered the land, But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. The entire land is is covered by frogs. And uh, then you get these these magicians that they try to go ahead and imitate what God has done. They try to imitate God. This led me to ask the question of family, do you do we have Environments? Do we have situations? Are there times today where people are trying to imitate the character of God? Imitate the character of God. I'll tell you guys, when I was growing up, I was, I was raised until um, high school. I was raised in an area called East Cleveland. It was the uh, inner city of Cleveland. Uh, and then in high school, I moved to a suburb called Cleveland Heights. And I remember... Uh, I remember this imitation of God that I see so clearly now happening in our community today. And, and I remember, you know, being a kid, I wanted the brand new Jordans. So I go to my dad and I'm like, Dad, what's up? I got to get the Jordans. And he's like, no, son, I just bought you some shoes last month. Yeah, whatever. The Jordans just came out, though, Dad. I want the Jordans. He's like, no. I'm like, okay. So now I go outside and all of the older guys that used to teach me how to play football in the hood have now grown up and they now are the dope boys. And so the dope boys would say to me, Hey, Leon, don't worry about it. Like, Hey, you want them Jordans? I got you. Just take this backpack, run it to a couple houses, you know, and every week you can have the Jordans every week. You can have whatever you want. You just don't let anybody take the backpack. And you run from this house to this house. Anybody asks you questions, you run. Okay? 
These men wanted to, wanted to step in as my dad. Wanted to, wanted to act as if they were my protector. Wanted to cloak themselves in the character of God as if they had my interests at heart. I praise the Lord for a dad that I feared. Because the only reason I didn't do that was because I knew he would beat me down. But some of my friends, one of my closest friends, I wasn't so lucky. I still, still one of the first, like, first images of sheer evil happened when, when I saw one of my closest friends that was making those runs get beat down by a dude that was like, like, to me, was like a saint. I mean, this dude taught me how to hoop, taught me how to play football. Like, he was like the big brother to all of us. And it wreaked havoc on our relationship. See, that's an that's a imitation of God. An imitation of God. A 17-year-old girl that I knew, like, man, why, why, do you, why do you know the chief of police in our neighborhood so well? Come to find out he was taking advantage of her. Wow, but, but telling her, I'll protect you. I'll provide for you. Your family's struggling. Don't worry. I got y'all. You see, we have all types of evils that take place within our community that are trying to imitate God. You see, Pharaoh, Pharaoh was no different than any of us. Pharaoh had a crew that would tell him whatever he wanted to hear. I'm the man. I could turn, we could turn water red, right? Yeah, Pharaoh, we'll do that. Let's turn the water red. Boom. Reinforcing that he's God. I'm the man, right? Yeah, Pharaoh, we can make some frogs jump out of there. Let's show you that you're the man. Boom. They imitate God. Feed into his ego. Feed into his authority. Feed into his image that he is God and his gods are above Yahweh. But we try to find, we are tempted to find gods that can be imitating things to feed our flesh as well. Let us not think so high that we're above being fooled by these idols that want our attention, want our time, and want our energy. It was a clear imitator. Clear imitator. And, man, I'm not going to go into this example, but, family, this is just, this, this, is, a, this is a crazy weekend. You know, as we think of the Super Bowl, uh, this is a weekend that is just the highest uh, trafficking uh, frequency within our, within our year. Like every year, the numbers go crazy. Um, and yeah, and, and, and as, I, as we've heard different stories, we just know that, that, that false idea of a person being a protector and a provider for women and men that are in that industry. And it's just another... It's just another imitation that's, that's horrible, but will you join me in praying? God, we know that there are some things that are happening as a result of this weekend that break your heart for they break ours. And we're asking, Lord, for you to use all these different entities, whether it's churches, nonprofits, uh, people that are just going underground to try to stop this stuff. Would you wreak havoc into that industry? Lord, would you bring it to a crumble? Would you... Allow your saving grace 
Lord, to penetrate the hearts of of men and women that they would say, man, I might lose my life, but I'm turning away from this today. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So they try to imitate God. But something happens. (laughs) Something happens in this experience that happens in all of our lives. And it's when our worldview, the things that we can control, come into contact and collide with a holy God that's more powerful. Notice the next verses, starting in verse 8. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people. And I would let the people go to sacrifice the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you. And for your servants and for your people, uh, that the frogs be cut out from you and your houses and be only left and be left only in the Nile. And he said, tomorrow, Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord, our God. See that again? First plague. So you will know that I am Yahweh. All right. That there is no one like me. Here we go again. Second plague. Moses says it so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord, our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in denial. It's it's, it's some it's some weird stuff going on here because the 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 grammatical structure is different from the way that we would talk um, or there's some assumptions that are embedded within it. Uh, First assumption is uh, let me plead with the Lord. This is this is a phrase where Moses is humbly coming before Pharaoh and saying, can I pray for you? Will you will you allow me to go before God and pray for you? Now, wait a minute. Y'all heard y'all heard my confession even earlier. If you let a brother like me had an opportunity to be in control of the plagues. I'm going to wait a little bit. How do you like that frog soup? How those frogs going in with, 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 your, with your crops? You know, I'm going to stretch this thing out. But what he does is humbly say, I'm going to give you my enemy, my enemy, my Pharaoh, the dude that, I, that, that enslaves my people. Pharaoh, the guy that's persecuting us. Pharaoh, the one that sees us as less than human. I'm going to put into your control when I begin to pray for you. When would you like that to happen? Family, it's a, it, it really is a, 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 a smack in the face t- to any of us that becomes self-righteous. When you, when you begin to think about your worst enemy, do you talk about them? Do you, do you uh, allow jokes to slide past about them? Do you pray for them? I was, I was convicted as I thought about this because, you know, I've, I've been in a lot of conversations. You know, I think back to, my last, I can't think of his last name, Dylan Roof. Man, brother that shot up the, the you know, church in South Carolina. Was I, was I more, was I, was, was anger like my posture for a long time? And then prayer, my posture just at the end. 
I started thinking about, you know, conversations I'm having with my friends that are extremely political. And I'm like, man, you you hate Obama. You love Jesus. Do you do you pray for him? My friends on the other end. Wow, you hate Trump. But you laugh about him. Do you pray for him? Find out how quickly my heart can be in the midst of all that where it's like, man, we can be a people who are so led towards expressing our thoughts and our views. But may our knee jerk be even for our enemies to pray for them. Jesus modeled that. He gave us Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who celebrate you. No, doesn't think it says that. Pray for those who agree with everything you agree with. Pray for the homies that's closest to you that you know got your back. It says pray for those who persecute you. Persecute you. That means, man, I'm feeling the heat from you. I, I, I don't necessarily have to like you. I might not. I can't stand you. But I can't change you. God has to be the one that changed. So let me pray for you. But ultimately, what are we praying for? Are we praying that we're going to be the ones that are victorious? Are we praying that we get to be in control? No, we're praying verse 10. We're praying that you may know that there is one like the Lord our God. See, it keeps us humble. It keeps us grounded. But then Pharaoh says something. He say, hey, when do you want me to pray for you? And Pharaoh say, tomorrow. And maybe it, maybe it was just me. Frogs all on my neck. You ask me, when do I want you to pray? I'm say right now. <laughs> what you waiting for? Yesterday. You know? But, but, but there was an assumption here. You see, there was an assumption that, that, that prayer in this community, it, it's not like a light switch. You don't just go pray hit the light switch and it happens that there's there's at least a day of interceding that has to happen before I would see any fruit so I can't ask today because even if you started praying today the the process of you interceding on my behalf is at least 24 hours you see there's a there's a a culture of prayer family that we can learn from even as Pharaoh understood how believers prayed. You remember, God said, I've heard the moans, I've heard the prayers of my people, and I'm going to respond. Now, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with a two-minute prayer. All right? God can use the prayer of a believer no matter the length. All right? 30 seconds, 30 hours. But I, but I will say, like, like, you don't want the default of your prayer life to be the 30 seconds. All right? Sometimes the kids should say, where mama? She's still praying? Sometimes the kids should say, oh, don't disturb daddy. You know he's praying. Sometimes the kids should say, wait a minute. I thought we was eating dinner. This dude's supposed to be praying over the meal. Why are we still praying? Daddy, kick her. Kick her. Kick her. 
because I want to eat. She's still praying, you know. Like, sometimes our prayer time shouldn't, shouldn't be this quick fix. We can learn from, from some of the ancient ways of, 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 of approaching prayer. Again, not legalistic. I don't even know what that number would be for you. You do, though. You know the difference between a quick prayer and actually trying to spend time in the presence of the Lord. And here, that length of time isn't even for something of their, that they will receive. It's for their enemy. We get a, we get a number of biblical examples. I'm going to lead those up here so I can keep flowing. But Ezra, Nehemiah, uh, we have Anna, who's uh, in the temple when Jesus is presented in Luke. Uh, we just... We get a, a lot of great examples of intercessory prayer and, 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 and entering into the presence of the Lord and trying to spend time there. And so we go to verse 11. Moses prays. Uh, and then verse 11, the frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs. And he had agreed with Pharaoh as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards and the fields. And they gathered them in the heaps and in the land uh, and and the land stank. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Uh, But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. As the Lord had said. Go ahead, brother. Um, For the most part, they were not. For the most part, they were not. We're going to see later like there is there is. Yep. For the most part, they are not because God is trying to show the difference between the people of Israel and the Egyptians. Yep. Great, great. He asked, was the, uh, do we know if the uh, people of Israel were affected? So I, I, just, I just want us to get insight into the heart of man again. You know, you got Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's heart is hardened. But uh, ha- have you ever been there where, where you kind of like said something to God and then with hope you didn't necessarily follow through on your end maybe this is a phrase that you might know if not you introduced to it today but I've said this phrase before and go a little something like this God if you get me out of this I promise I will dot 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 just, just get me through this one and I'm telling you dot 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 you know, Lord, just, just, just let, me, let me study. Okay, I'm lying. I didn't study, but if you let me get through this test, I promise I'm going to study all the time ahead of time and be ready for my exams. Lord, if you give me a spouse, like one that loves the Lord, I promise I will stop looking at anything online. Lord, if you give me a job, I promise I will be thankful all the time, no matter what, gratefulness will be my middle name. (laughs) 
some of us have, have, have said this as a guy or as a girl. Lord, if you just if you just let me not be pregnant this time. I won't I, I promise I won't put myself in this position again. I promise I'm going to be I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be pure. I'm going to be doing things that bring you joy. Lord, if you just let me pay my bills, I promise I won't spend my money on stuff that I don't need like dot, dot, dot. Family. I'm not trying to create a case for Pharaoh. His heart was hard and he chose to reject God. Okay? But, but don't let us be so quick to judge when we know that while God is showing his power and his might steadfast throughout the entire picture of all 66 books is a God of grace. Even to our enemies, a God of grace. You and I both know that in the blink of an eye, our tongue can go from praising the Lord to punishing people with our words. But the next plague doesn't come with the same warning. It doesn't come with that conditional statement of if you do this, then this will happen. The next plague starts at verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart, excuse me, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Got just a few quick points and then I'm going to let y'all get out of here. See, we're getting some 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 a real clear picture into the strength and power of Yahweh. You're you're seeing that if God is your enemy, then all of creation has become your enemy. So now let me that not gnat is the the term that's used, but it's actually like small insect is what it's referring to. More like a mosquito. Now you and I, you get bit by a mosquito, you don't die, but them things is annoying and uh, annoying, aren't they? You know, just at the right time, right in the middle of your conversation, and then, you know, you just feel it. So can you imagine if mosquitoes are all over everything, all of your body, all of your food, all of your animals? Some of y'all starting to itch now, like, you know? And God is trying to show us here that, man, like, like when, when you want to be an enemy with a holy God, even the smallest of things can have a significant impact. The smallest of things can have a significant impact. And so we see here that God uses something that almost all of us have. He uses this image of dust. Now, dust is found in almost all homes, all right? 
And some of y'all are like, I'm a neat freak, so it's not in my house. Well, some of us in the room got enough dust for everybody. All right? <laughs> and so he's saying that, that where, where these flies, where these gnats came from, like, like, everybody was affected. All people would be covered. And so he's showing the, the smallest use of a gnat against the most important person in culture. So tell me, how do you wage war against a gnat? Okay, Pharaoh, you strong? Cool. Go get your chariots. Get your chariots. Go get your armies. Get the swords. What, the javelin? Okay. What, what good is that against a gnat? None. None. It's showing, it's showing you that, man, this holy God, his strength cannot be compared. Even to the point that now the magicians, the one who were trying to imitate God, have to confess. They, don't, they, they, they appropriately try to, try to help Pharaoh get the magnitude of this God. They could have said, man, by his mighty power, works, and strength of the heavens, he has allowed this to happen. They could have said, by the strength of his mighty arm, he allowed this to happen. No, they say, man, this, this seems to be nothing for this God. His finger. How do they say it? This is the finger of God. Showing you that, that, that unfortunately, even while they are the imitators, and they're not saying we're going to serve them, they're still saying we acknowledge where the real power is. Pharaoh, you should get in line. Family, I want to leave us with, with a couple of points. And J.D., if you could bring up those last two points for me. I want us to, to leave, having gone through three plagues. We went through the first plague of blood, all to show Pharaoh that this God is Yahweh. Second, third, all the plagues are to show Pharaoh that God is is the one true God. He is Lord. He is Yahweh. But something great happens in the life of Moses where he pauses and says, I'm going to pray for my enemy as God has told me to. I'm going to intercede for his behalf. And as I'm blessed to be in a number of your lives, some of you have enemies. Some of you have challenges. Some of you have obstacles. Some of us all have some things that are weighing heavy on us. And I want to say your first offense is prayer. Let us be a people who are praying for our enemies, others, challenges, and for God to show up. But ultimately, not so that we would win, but so they would know God. And then second... Uh, plays create a sense of awe and wonder within us. As we look and see how God uses nature, we should be reminded, man, this is a holy God that is other, that is amazing, that is awesome. But while he shows his might and his strength, he also shows his grace. See, there didn't have to be ten plagues. There could have been one plague in a second 
this story could have been done. We're going to see God's gracious hand continue to be with the people of God as he's teaching and training them and as he's, as he's giving Pharaoh opportunities to repent. Brother John. Yep. Yeah, so he's saying what's, there seems to be a tension between God working in the people of Israel and God working in the Egyptians and Pharaoh who has a hardened heart. And I want to say yes and. You know, that there is, there is a clear, um, and, and actually what we're getting is almost the first time uh, an evangelistic expression has happened because God is now offering uh, Pharaoh the opportunity to serve him. Even though his heart is hardened, um, God is giving Pharaoh over to his own heart. It's not as if Pharaoh was a, was a believer that said, I love Jesus, and then God took and t- changed his heart and said, no, I'm going to make you hard. See, Pharaoh already saw himself as God. And you want to come talking to me about this God stuff, well, put it in line underneath me. And so now, okay, God says, if that's the heart and posture you're going to have, I'm going to continue to allow you to have that in the midst of me trying to train my people that I am their savior. So that's a great question, brother. So family, I know y'all, let us pray together. Let's pray. Lord, 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 we look at, we look at these plagues and um, they are, we just can't understand it. You know, we've not been in a situation where we've seen creation behave in this way. And we would think that this type of, of a response on your part would just make everybody submit and choose you. But honestly, we know better. We know that proof is not what changed people's hearts, Lord. So, Lord, we are asking that you would um, let us not check these stories off, but that you would write them on our hearts so that we would learn from them. That we would see your mighty hand at work. Also, people would know you, love you. And that, Father, we would be uh, led to be praying warriors, folks that would just trust you with the hearts of others, that have hearts that are hardened like Pharaoh. We love you and we submit to you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.